I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away, drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Sparks, short for Herbert. Uh, I am a parts research analyst for Briggs Equipment, which is a fancy title they give for a parts salesman. Let's see, I was born a Yankee in Iron Mountain, Michigan, Upper Peninsula. Raised in Columbus, Mississippi. We moved here in 92. Dad transferred with the paper mill. I am a former Marine, field radio operator, hoorah. And you're just gonna have to take over from bunch there because I don't. Bunch of crayon eating fools, huh? Well, I mean, green is my favorite flavor. <laughs> <laughs> Do they taste it's got different? That little, it's got that little tartness to Do it. Do they all know? taste different? A little bit. I mean, bit? the purples are sweeter. You know, yeah. the purples, reds, oranges. <laughs> You know, I know my military buddies will you, appreciate that. You, you get the, the tartness in the yellows and the greens. and <laughs> So, uh, you said Michigan. You were born in Michigan. Did you grow up there? or I did not. We were, or I was, eight when we moved from there. Was it, well, do you we remember from, a whole lot from... I remember a few things. I remember the weather. I still that's why I still love cold weather. I still don't like humidity. I remember the hunting. I remember the ice fishing. I remember the fact that you know apparently you know we came down here the very first winter that we were in Columbus, Mississippi. Like I went to school there at New Hope in Lowndes County, and the first time it ever snowed, there was like this much snow on the ground. Me and my sister, we got up, saw the snow on the ground, went outside. We got ready for school, went outside. The neighbors come running from across the street. What y'all want to do today? What do you mean? We're waiting for the school bus. We're going to school. Oh, no. School's closed down here. Oh, yeah. That's typical up there, for down here. there's a, a plow truck. It's putting down salt, and the school bus is right behind it. Ready so, to go. Get your yeah. rear to school. Yeah. Let's hit yeah. it. Snow and ice. Bullshit. Get so, your little ass uh, to school. <laughs> what, what about your parents? What did they do for a living? Uh, mom was pretty much a stay-at-home mom. Like I said, dad worked for, uh, up north it was Champion at the time, paper mill. And he took a little bit of time off. We actually, we lived in a little town called Forsyth, Missouri, in between moving from up north to down here for about a year or two. And then he went into maintenance here at Warehouser, which apparently Warehouser isn't even Warehouser anymore. Now it's international paper. Hmm. Sold out again, so. No shit. I didn't yep. even know we had a paper company down here. Oh yeah, right there in, right by Golden Triangle Regional Airport. Out there on alternate oh, 45. No, really? Hmm? Huh. Had no idea about that. Oh uh, yeah, dad made diapers. Diapers? Not like diapers, false diapers? Like, like the diapers that they put in like meat packs and things like that. Oh, you're talking about <laughs> like the absorbers for yeah. it. Oh, okay. I didn't even... 
he did. That's insane. I him, there was a whole here. whole group of people that came down from Champion when whatever company it was that owned one bought the other. They were installing new machinery at Warehouser. So because my dad and Mr. Danny Fisher and a whole bunch of other guys from up there already knew the machinery and yeah. knew how to work on them, they pretty much paid all those guys a pretty good premium to come down here and to train live new. down here oh, yeah. or to just just move here and train no, to move here train new guys and over I mean dad had a supervisory position he was dad was making $60 an hour back in the 90s before he retired Damn. so he was doing pretty good Damn. who yeah. knew that shit economy we got now yeah I'd love to be I mean $60 yeah. an hour now would be enough to actually be comfortable and not struggle yeah you can make a living now <laughs> You could. You wouldn't have to stress too much about it. Exactly. You wouldn't be living paycheck to paycheck. <clears throat> when y'all like, um, when y'all moved down here, was it kind of a change of pace from oh, up there? Yeah, it was. It was a pretty big culture shock. Uh, mainly because I still sounded like a little fucking Canadian. Uh, oh yeah, I'm, I got made fun of about the way I talked. Uh, you know. You can, hey, I graduated from a Mississippi school, and I'm proud of it, but when me and my sister... Do you sister, think the hazing was pretty rough on you as a kid? Only from my father. <laughs> I understand that. The bullying at school and everything else never bothered me, because, yeah, I, I had it Hold at home. Hold that fucking flashlight right, yeah. kid. No, just... Do you not know what fucking tool I'm asking for? No, Dad, I'm six. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. That's uh, rough. But uh, did y'all visit Canada any when you were up there? Or can you recall that? If y'all did. I vaguely remember. I mean, we used to take a lot of road trips. I don't remember actually going in, into Canada. Uh, I vaguely remember a trip that we made to Niagara Falls. I remember making a trip out west. We actually went to the Grand Canyon and went to whichever Disney was out there. The only thing I really remember about the Disney trip was going to, uh, shit, I'm drawing a blank. What's the name of that? Uh, the Spruce Goose. The, the big airplane. Uh, oh, I, yeah, Howard I know what Hughes you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, With the giant wingspan, you know, it only flew yeah. this high off the water and everything. Yeah. I remember going to see it. I can I can still picture. Was that in, uh, uh, what, what was the? Disney World or Disneyland, uh, it was Epcot. There's a cartoon show what was it uh with the two chipmunks chip and dale was it chip and dale rescue team chip and dale rescue, rescue, rescue team. rangers rescue rangers that was it i remember that Is show that the same? i remember because the they had the goose was in it too at one point and i remember that plane being in it anyway that's the only goose i remember from cartoons is dark winged duck dark winged duck launch pad was the name of the pilot uh you wore a purple cape and a purple yeah. hat. Yeah, man. That. That's been so Scrooge long ago, and... man. That's been a long time ago. Yeah, That's most some poor memories right there, man. No. The <laughs> well, I mean, hell, I'm only, well, I'm 26 tomorrow, but still, like. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I know. That's right. I'm, I mean, you I'm know, twice your age. Yeah, you know I'm young, but still, I mean, it's, I mean, I watched all that stuff. My parents were old school, so it was, <laughs> <laughs> we got. We got a ten full on the antennas type TV. We didn't have none of that. Had the two TV. dials yeah. on it. 
had the we two had dials a big and the box. little bitty rotators yeah. on the dials. It'd be all, all kinds of lines in it and staticky almost. Constantly. Salt and pepper, I should say. Back Wouldn't in the be, days yeah. when if you switched to channel 99, you got the wavy picture of the really oh, good movies. Man. <laughs> You could my, hear the movie I remember, great. Yeah, oh, I remember going to my grandmother's and she had cable TV. So whenever I go over there, we'd uh, they they had all the channels. Mm. My grandfather had all the channels, so I could stay up late at night, pretend to sleep. Oh man! You just had to have that thumb on the previous channel yep. button. That way, when you Man, heard somebody coming, we didn't even click. have previous channel. T- they didn't have a remote for the TV, so you better hope nobody got up wanting something in the middle of the night. Make sure everybody ate yeah. something good and heavy. Yeah. As long as everybody fell asleep in the chair. Wait for Granddaddy him. to have him a twelve pack of beer. And <laughs> I knew he'd be asleep for the night, and I know grandmother wasn't going to get up, so. I was like, all right, man, it's Yeah, but time chances to... are the only reason she wasn't going to get up and actually come out there is because she probably knew what you were doing and just didn't want to witness nah, it. No, that may have been it, but I don't want to think that. <laughs> I'd just rather think Granny's that. always know. Yeah, they probably do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, man. Oh, thanks for that, poor memory. <laughs> thanks for that. You kind of ruin it, but thanks for that. My pleasure. But, uh, so y'all moved down here. And uh, what what year did you say? Ninety two. Ninety two. You moved down here. You said you were about eight. I was in yeah second grade. Second grade. And um, <clears throat> yeah, we you were said, actually. You said it was a change of pace whenever you got down here. You said it was a real culture shock. Oh yeah, we were how, we were geniuses how, when we moved down here. Me and my sister both. Really. So but like, they had required her to take a a foreign language in fifth grade. Up there. Uh, up there. Oh wow. She she was actually made fun of worse in school than I was because she was so far ahead of everybody else in high school. But then so turned it just around, made her kind of a dork is what it kind of made her to everybody else probably. Not so much the way the way New Hope worked out for her was very funny because they made her go back as a senior and take freshman classes because she wasn't accredited those classes because she took them before high school up north what the hell yeah it was all it was all kind of fucked up but you already knew all of it right oh so yeah it was like yeah it's a breeze for it was just the fact that as a senior she was in freshman classes and everybody you know you know how, how much older is your sister than you she is six years older than me. six years but yeah and then they wanted to i was actually supposed to skip the third grade i came down here i was in second grade they were going to skip me past third grade and they ended up testing me and doing all this crap and good lord this sounds horrible now that I'm actually thinking about how smart I used to be and I'm selling parts <laughs> well, uh, we can get to that eventually oh yeah that's that, yeah and there's a long road that led to here so, uh, but. what about like going into junior high down here and was it was it pretty easy to develop friends and kind of navigate through that did it get did it get better as I never, I, I've always had a small core group of friends. I've never been a social butterfly. I, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm judgmental, but I will know within the first five ten minutes of meeting somebody, I'm either going to get along with them or I'm uh, just going to go my own. Yeah, I'm just going to go my own way. I get that. I'm, <coughs> I'm kind of that way too. Which I, I mean, I just kind of respect everybody's boundary and kind of who they are as a person though so it's kind of like 
I can tolerate you and be around you and have a civil conversation with you, but do I really, do I really just enjoy it? Probably not. I'm but exactly I'm, but same. I'm also here, you know, like, like I get it. I can talk to you and understand and sympathize and and everything else with it. So yeah, I, mean, I, I get that. I try to see everything from everybody's point of view, but at the same time, I have my own opinion as far as oh, what's yeah. right I mean, and what's I mean, wrong. We're human. That's I mean, that's yeah. what it's supposed to be. You're supposed. To, I think also. I think we get caught up in today's society. We just look at what the new fad is and we don't really kind of we kind of forget that everybody's human and we're all the same we're all just trying to make it and survive and navigate through life and figure well, it out yeah like we were talking about yeah, earlier yeah. it's hard enough just yeah. to live nowadays oh yeah most definitely and yeah just with everything going on and now you know the way i was taught coming up is different than the way you were taught it's oh, different yeah. than the okay, way kids now are yeah. taught and I mean, you know, everybody thinks they're right and the other person's wrong and just it, nobody has time to yeah. really nobody wants to meet in the middle anymore yeah that's that is most definitely there's true. there's no compromise and I, I blame social media for it that's why i don't do facebook and i don't do all that other crap, uh, social but. media is what's crazy to me is the fact that we literally have the whole world in our hand every yeah. day and i have no idea what to do with and it we have misuse it constantly no idea what's going on yeah because you've got so many You've got a group you of people that... You choose to hear from what group of people you want to hear from. Yep. Instead of actually being like, And it doesn't. About, it doesn't matter if that person no, is right or wrong or it actually just, presents at, in facts. In the time, it just justifies your feelings and how you feel on yep. a daily basis. So that's what they stick with. They just, they need that validation. That's exactly right. An Instagram click is far more superior to someone giving you a compliment in public. And again, that's why I don't, that's why I've always had a small group of friends. I don't need validation from, you know, somebody that I don't even fucking know that lives in Wyoming. And, uh, you know, that's another thing. I don't care what anybody had for dinner last night. That's why I don't do Facebook. But, uh, okay, congratulations. You had Mexican last night. Yeah, it looks great. Thanks for posting that picture. I don't fucking care. <laughs> Guess what? We had Mexican for lunch today. I didn't take a picture of it and post it anyway. <laughs> that's my business. They enjoyed it in the moment, and I think that's what we kind of get lost into mm -hmm. we want to share this experience with everybody else and you don't really get to take the you moment wanna, and just enjoy it yeah i mean it was nice being able to sit down and have lunch with y'all and oh absolutely and just the talk kids and laugh weren't there and enjoy and it man didn't just have take to a answer break. a million yeah. questions but yeah you know we at the end about how good the food was and i mean hell and i had umpteen people show up that i ain't seen in forever <laughs> like hey man how are you doing and, i mean i don't it's at, hard to have those social encounters anymore and at the end of the day about it you know yeah nobody wants to have that moment and just remember it they want to have that moment and have everybody else remember it for them and you know it's a good way of looking everybody has to, to look at it that way everybody has to like it and if you know if you can't get somebody to like it then oh my, oh my goodness you know nobody likes me because nobody's liked my post and what the fuck leave it alone go along <laughs> that's true live that's your true. life why do you have to live your life in that screen that's why i want to break that one of that habit oh i get it i promise you i get it <laughs> mine's the same way you know how mine is well, as soon as he gets over here <laughs> he's not horrible about it though is he not no. has he gotten better he's gotten a lot better he likes to go down the street been, like he is today and we've been trying to break him of that so hopefully it'll hopefully it'll pay out a little bit better well, here soon 
that one's going to be really upset this afternoon when I take Adam for the surprise and he don't get to go because he hadn't limited his screen time. It's just the way it is, man. He's got to learn one way or another. They all got to <laughs> learn, man. But um, getting into like junior high, um, how was junior high for you? Was it was it kind of hard to navigate through? Did you play any sports or? Not really. I I was pretty active outside of school. Uh, I've always been accused of having an old soul. I've only had very few friends my own age. All of my friends were, you know, three, four, five years older than I was yep. at the time. Um, played a lot of paintball. That's why, you know, when I decided to do what I did after high school, it didn't really shock anybody. I was I was all about getting out there and shooting folks and <laughs> planning attacks. Well, and we used to have yeah. scenario games out in the woods that, you know, like not a little bit patch. I mean, like we had acres about of But how old do you think you were when you found paintball? Oh, let's see. That was me and my best friend at the time, Ben Clardy, before he moved away. Oh, goodness. I so guess we were about like 12. Grade, maybe. Is that about right? It had to have been somewhere around in there. Like sixth, seventh grade? Yeah. What was funny was... What would y'all have? Like the Tipman pumps or... We had an old Eagle Talon that his dad actually had. That we only had one. Was it no. an autococker? No. Yeah. no, 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 no. Nowhere near that fancy. It was. That man, I'm a nerd. This was an old ball, gray plastic. You know, it was only like. Uh, so this was it long, like a pistol? Pretty much. It man. had a tube in it. It didn't have a hopper. It didn't have anything. Oh, so it had a CO2 yeah. cartridge. And we Those actually. Suck, man, let me tell you. That was the first paint. Like it was his dad's, and Ben found it, I think. And we got out, and like I said, we only had the one paintball gun, and. Ben got one mask. Did you play chicken with it? <laughs> ben got one mask. So he lived out next to some cotton fields, and there was a patch of woods on the other side of the cotton field. We would take turns hunting each other. So one person are, would have the gun, are, and the other those. person would have the mask, and you'd get a head start. So it's kind of like, like Predator almost. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, like these movies that are coming out now, where that one person's getting hunted. I'm like, yeah, I used to do that as a kid. <laughs> I mean, granted, it wasn't that deadly. It was with a paintball gun, but yeah, I used to do man, that shit for y'all fun. Were, <laughs> y'all were wild ass kids, man. Imagine y'all were the type of kids put the soda can in the back tire of the bike too, huh? Oh no, no, no. I'm trying to think what. <laughs> I don't know if I want to admit to some of the pranks that I've done or not. Oh come on, man, you got to share. Come on. <clears throat> Well, there, I mean, that was, that's later. That's in high school. Uh, I won't name any names, but a friend of mine in high school, he had gone out with some of his buddies, and they stole the bases off of the baseball field. Well, they were in the back of my buddy's truck, and his dad found them and told him, look, I don't care what you do with them. He's like, just get rid of them. Like, we won't say anything about it, but get rid of them. Don't want you to get caught with them. So we were sitting at the lunch table one day, <clears throat> and uh, he's like, yeah, I've got to get rid of these bases. Don't know what to do with them. He's like, do I throw them away? Do I do this? Well, the baseball coach was a hardcore baseball coach, Coach Hester there at New Hope. Great baseball coach. Uh, I mean, he was, he was my driver's ed teacher. Coach Hester was a really good dude. 
And uh, <clears throat> I was like, well, you know, Coach Hester loves baseball so much. It's like, why don't we give him a miniature baseball field? <laughs> so <laughs> I went to his house. We went to the baseball field house and took some of the baseline paint and went to his house and we set him up a little baseball field in his front yard. Spray painted baselines, everything. And oh, there was so much. People overreacted to that so bad. We took an underclassman with us at that point, and that's ended up what got us caught because yeah. they were going and bragging to all their little buddies. Oh, and yeah. Anyway, it is what it is. It's pretty cool. Uh, that's a good core memory. Maybe one were, to tell the grandkids one day. It was so bad. I, I was on leave one time. Oh, before it we was, get into that, you got to hold that thought because we ain't got there oh yet. Oh, no, it's, gotta, this is still high school. Okay, okay, okay. Well, ish. Because this is right after I had graduated, gone to boot camp, and I was, it was my 10-day leave in between boot camp and MCT. So, before we get into that, so right after high school, how soon after high school did you go into the Marine Corps? Or did you decide that I was, you were going to go? I was actually in the delayed entry program when and, I graduated. Well, okay, so you had already and then, went and signed up and oh, everything? Oh, yeah, I had already signed up. I had already gone to... Had I gone to MEPS? Yes, I had already gone to MEPS. Already gone through my physical. They tried to screw me over on my contract. Had to get them to change it. Um, yeah, it wasn't until... So I was in the delayed entry program. I was going up to the recruiting station and doing little functions and working out and all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, I wasn't supposed to ship out until... I think March, I think I was supposed to ship out like February or March of 2002, and then September 11th happened and that changed everything. Called my recruiter, I actually saw the, the second plane hit on TV, called my recruiter up and said, hey, what's going on? He's like, I'll call you back. <clears throat> Man. He made phone calls all day that day. My girlfriend at the time was taking dance classes in Starkville. So I'd taken her to her dance class. She was in there doing all that. And he called me back and he's like, where are you at? I told him, I was like, you know, Starkville. He's like, she's in her dance class. He's like, well, what time are you gonna be back? Well, she gets out such and such time. Take me 45 minutes to drive back. He's like, well, when you get home, pack a bag. You got it. So how did, so how did all that, like, uh, how did all that play out? like? When, when you seen it happen, what were kind of your initial thoughts on it? Oh, I, I think just about the same as everybody's. You know, is this really happening? What kind of fucked up TV show did I just find? Just, yeah. It, didn't, so it, wasn't, it, it was, wasn't real in my head when I first saw it until... So it was kind of, it was kind of hard to believe, like, oh, holy yeah. shit. Like, Absolutely. Like, this really just happened yeah. on U.S. soil. Like, there's... Like, a matter of fact, I even, I watched it. And I got into the car, and I was driving somewhere. And I was listening to, I'm gonna remember in a second. You gotta think this is 20 years ago now. Stephen DC. Stephen DC in the morning on 94.1, the radio station out of Tuscaloosa. I was listening to them, I think it was. Do you got like an 
like an accurate recollection of that day like how you, like you woke up and like oh you, like as far as waking up and what i had for yeah. breakfast and all that. no not, not <laughs> the specifics but like like do you kind of like remember like waking up and like getting ready for the day oh yeah it was just know, a, like, it was just a normal day and like i said i turned i turned the news on or i thought i'd turn the news on i'd flip the tv on and i was in the kitchen and like i said i overheard some you know what at that time I thought was just a messed up TV show, I went in to look, and when I went in to look, I realized it was a newscast and saw the second plane hit. Man. Did but, you watch it all the way through? No, I can't remember what it was that I was actually getting ready for that morning. Because, like I said, that that day kind of went to shit. Had, after that. had you already been deployed once or done anything? Oh, no, I hadn't even gone to boot camp at that point. Oh. So like you were, I wasn't even supposed to go to boot camp until the following March. Oh, so you still had a few months before you were Yeah, I was to not go. supposed to ship out. Yeah, I so shipped you out shipped early. out early. I shipped out okay. to boot camp to go through all my training and everything. So after you picked her up and you got back home, what what exactly happened there? I packed a bag. I went to the recruiting station there out, out there on 45, and I got in a white Ford van, and to Paris Island I went. Do you think they were extra hard on y'all with all of that just happening? Or or was it kind of quick and speedy to get y'all through so that they'd have more Oh, no, we still, we still went through 13-week boot camp, same train. I mean, it was just it was another day on Paris Island. Like, shit don't change there. Yeah. It kind of started to change. I was actually one of the last. We were one of the last companies that went through with the old utilities before they started switching to the that digital camo yeah um, so y'all had y'all had the splotchy shit Is that oh yeah we, we went through the real training oh, we had to earn training. our ega oh, I got you know you. the yeah. the new recruits that got on there like while we were still there we had to watch them little motherfuckers running around with egas branded on their boots and everything oh. we had to earn that shit we couldn't get that shit till after we went through crucible we were not marines until we went through the crucible you got any good stories from boot camp? I know it's a short 13 weeks, but I know you've got to have Short some... 13 weeks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I tell that longest, to all my yeah. buddies. I tell that, and they're like, you motherfucker. <laughs> and I'm like, Shortest I'm 13 like, know, weeks man. of my life. Yeah, kind of like saying, yeah, you know. Oh, you were in the Air Force? That was a long six weeks, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I love y'all, though. I really do. It's nice to know y'all got us up there watching us do the hard work. Do y'all have any? Uh, y'all have any good moments though? Any like any good memories that you can recall from boot camp? From boot camp? Yeah. Oh, I was actually telling Diane about that. The power bars—the nastiest motherfucking thing I think I've ever eaten. I can't stand the taste of a power bar. But when you're in boot camp, those motherfuckers are Snickers. So they taste good, huh? In boot camp. But they look like a fucking turd, huh? Doesn't matter what they look like in boot camp. <laughs> <clears throat> The, I remember wanting to eat the cocoa butter lotion. Yeah, that's just how bad you wanted something sweet. Yeah. Like So it's so it's actually pretty rough. Like it's not Oh I mean it's it's boot camp. I mean I actually we had an instructor there, so we had, you know, classes and stuff that we had to go through. And we learn about 
uh, like rule, rules of war and all this stuff and rights of a POW and you know some of the basic rights of a POW is you know the right to receive mail the right to you know three meals a day the right to the opportunity to get eight hours of rest and da 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 and I remember him like in, you know this is all of all of the platoons are there and like I was in I can't remember if lead series and follow series no it was just it was just follow series so like the last three platoons in the company yeah we uh we're all in there and you know he's down there just spouting knowledge and stuff and he stopped everybody's like sitting there looking at him he's like does that sound familiar and he's like yeah he's like that's exactly what y'all get he's like welcome to marine corps pow camp and like you could see the light bulbs click in on in everybody's head and they're like motherfucker <laughs> like damn this shit really does suck i mean it was i wouldn't trade it for anything you, you think know, it kind of gave you a little stability from school and just home life and stuff or or a little structure maybe or do you think I've you're always just a big goofball and just no, like, ah fuck man it's just another day in paradise to be honest boot camp was not that bad to me but you gotta my uncle was a marine so you and already kind of like knew oh yeah yeah absolutely he was you're not a fucking marine you're not was, part of it brother he was cajun from marksville louisiana he went through, not Vietnam, he went through uh, Korea as a Marine. And he was the one, when I was a kid, he was the one that taught me to never say I can't. Like when I was, you know, probably Blaine's age, like, you know, seven-ish, yeah. when we, like right when we moved down to Mississippi. We used to spend the summers there in Baton Rouge. And he was the one that would always tell me. He, he told me. He's like, walk through that wall. I can't. Wrong thing to say. You never say I can't. Now we're going through it. You try. Now we're going through it. Even if I have to throw your little ass, we're going through well, it. Well, and that wasn't a thing. <laughs> the, the thing wasn't about accomplishing it. The thing was not saying that I can't and at, at least, least trying. trying. Yeah. And he, he told me on several occasions, he's like, look, I don't care. He's like, as long as you try. He's like, and you try until I tell you to stop trying. He's like, I don't want to hear I can't. So, yeah, I I wouldn't say boot camp was a cakewalk. I wouldn't say it was easy. But you already kind of had it in the back of your mind I, what was going to happen and what to expect. I anyway. was exposed to a lot of the Marine Corps before I ever went into the Marine Corps. You got the Not satisfaction of kind of being able to hear about it, per se. Oh, I lived a little bit of it. A little bit. My uncle, my uncle was just strict enough. Like he gave me just enough of a taste to where nothing really surprised me. I can see that. What about range? First time you got to do range, how did you? What did you think about it? Like rifle range? Yeah, range there. First, first time you got to. So we went through. That's one of the reasons why Marine Corps boot camp is longer than everybody else's, because we spend two weeks out there. We do what we call a grass week, which is just, you know, weapons care, snapping into position. Uh, you know, they basically try and erase everything that you've ever learned about firing a rifle, and then they build you back up from scratch. And then the next week, 
is where you're actually firing live rounds. Um, <laughs> we had a little bit of excitement with one recruit that refused to train. Actually made the mistake of saying that if they put him on the firing line with live ammunition, he was going to turn around and shoot everybody. He wasn't with our platoon for very long. He went bye-bye shortly after that. Is that a dishonorable discharge? I, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I've never been seen since then. But he was also the same idiot that tried to tried to run away off of an island twice. Yeah, well, it's not really far you can get, man. No, especially when the first time you try to run away, you try and go over the bridge, and then that's the only way on and off the island. The second time you decide to go in the opposite direction. Well, opposite direction on an island is water, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> not gonna get very Just far, saying. Man. The water gets a little choppy out there, brother. Yeah. Probably a little cold too, I imagine. Oh, I don't know. I didn't test it. You didn't test it? No. I was too busy worrying about how the fuck am I going to survive the sand fleas. I hate those things. So, that was actually pretty rough. I mean, we had a few black flag days because of heat. Uh, sand fleas are just more of an annoyance. You know, I think that's more So, you're of a, there for basically three months. So, how was the weather there? Like, did you kind of get accustomed to that? Was it... Because it was in it's the process similar of fall, to, so... It, well, even hot days, though. Hot days are similar to what they are here. I mean, you, so South really Carolina's got a decent amount of humidity. Yeah. So, if it's one temperature, it's it feels warmer than what it actually is. Yeah. Uh, lightning strikes. Lightning strikes were a bad problem. We used to have the alarms go off, and we'd have to take cover if they got within a certain distance of the island. Damn. Then once they, I didn't know that. once the lightning starts to either dissipate or move away from the island, and get right back to it. That's how I tell it, boys. Come on, <laughs> five mile, five mile rook ain't gonna do itself. Oh yeah, and that's so. Marines can't count, especially instructors. Them motherfuckers can't count, and they don't know distance. One, one, yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> or when you're counting down to get on your gear and they're like, you got 10 seconds, nine, seven, five, motherfucker. <laughs> you just skipped. <laughs> I did not imagine that. I bet that was great. First time. I, man, I'm telling you. I, I probably would have. You already know how goofy I am. So I probably would have just busted out laughing as soon as I heard him go, nine, seven. I'm like, motherfucker. So... Like, we're skipping numbers, bitch. What are we that doing? Is, that is one story that I have. You learn you learn to keep your tact. No matter what happens. You're not supposed to show a reaction. No, you're not supposed to, but man, it'd be so, so hard. Oh, the counting down thing, that never bothered me. That was just like, you know, motherfucker, learn how to count. But I did, me and my rack mate, driver... We actually got our heads slammed together one time because, <laughs> so first of all, we lost our second hat because of some issues he had with a previous platoon. And uh, <clears throat> we actually lost him during rifle week. He had, Well, during grass, but he came back and visited us during rifle week and you know kind of said his goodbyes to us and everything 
Um, but he was replaced by, and oh my goodness, I hope this man never watches a podcast, but Staff Sergeant Buttons. And I'm not a, I'm not tall, so I'm not a tall guy. I'm 5'5 five, five on a good day. If I wear platforms or something. And <laughs> you don't wear platforms? You been in hills many times? I heard you know, the every, Marines like every to dress now and then. You've got to feel pretty. Yeah, I'll tell you. <laughs> Drink a little but, wine, get to feeling fine. Got to put them platforms on. I get it, man. I get it. So, Staff Sergeant Buttons comes up to my chin. Oh, he's short, he short. He is very short, short. And again, his name is Buttons. So, of course, he's cute as a button. <laughs> so... Mm, I imagine that didn't go over well. Oh, no, that's not the issue. The issue was, in my platoon, we had a recruit Cox, C-O-X. And we had a recruit Billy. His last name was Billy. He was Native American. Well, where mine and driver's rack, we were about midway. Yeah, we were about midway. Down barracks. On... uh, starboard Billy and Cox were all the way down towards the door on the opposite side and Staff Sergeant Buttons was in Billy's face because something had happened between Billy and Cox so Staff Sergeant all I can remember is Staff Sergeant Buttons yelling what is your fucking problem recruit and he goes Cox sir he could have said recruit Cox he could have said anything else, but his problem was Cox. And for some reason, I don't know, I wasn't in the right frame of mind. I hadn't steeled myself mentally. I lost my shit. <laughs> I'm trying to stand that attention, and I'm laughing my ass off. So is Driver. And all I can see is Staff Sergeant Buttons coming towards us, trying to be intimidating. But again, he thought it was this is too. a man that I have to look down to. It's not that I'm not taking you seriously, but I'm not taking you seriously. <laughs> when like, you come have on, man. To, you know it's funny too, dude. When you have to come up to me and look up to me, and I know how little I am. What's funny, recruit? I'm not gonna stop laughing. I mean, at this point, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in the movie Snow White. So I couldn't stop laughing. Neither could Driver, and all I remember, he grabbed both of us and just bam. And I stopped laughing for all of about three seconds until I looked back down at him and his smoky bear is like up like this. And I'm looking down and I can see his eyes looking up at me and I lost my shit again. <laughs> the only, I'm pretty the only thing that saved us was Sergeant Coran, who, Sergeant Coran was great. He was supposed to be our third hat. He was supposed to be our hard ass, the one that was supposed to be our worst enemy. And I think I probably liked him more than everybody. Uh, so they he actually y'all's, called him. They swapped y'all's drill sergeants throughout. Well, we have drill instructors. Drill instructors, my bad. Uh, so we have a senior, a second hat, and a third hat. Okay. So the way it is explained to any recruit that goes there is your third hat is your daddy. Your second hat is basically your older brother that wants to teach you. And the third hat is your bully, older brother. It's the way it's set up. So, and they do a pretty good job at it. 
Good yeah, I mean, as far as that. as far as boot camp goes, everything is pretty standard. You know, you've got a couple of recruits that you're either not going to get along with, or they're just not meant to be there. Just uh, ain't just ain't cut out for it mentally, huh? Well, I mean, and there's you know, some people aren't, and that's I mean, any branch of the service, there's just there's some people like especially around that time period. You know, there's a lot of people. You know. I want to go to college. I want to go to college. So they sign up for the military, and then oh shit, something happened. Yeah. <laughs> now Thinking, it's real. Oh, shit. Yeah. Now it's real, man. <laughs> college ain't no priority no more, brother. Yeah. You thought so, you were gonna go to class, but not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Shit. I, yeah. So well, man. So well. So what? Uh, like right after boot camp, how quick did you get? Did you get deployed? Oh, boot camp is just the beginning of training. Uh, I know you got MOS, right? Well, that's, you have MCT. Well, depending on what your MOS is. If you go to, you know, if you're a regular O3, you know, a grunt, you're going to uh, School of Infantry, which, to be honest, I have no idea where that's at. What'd uh, you do? What was your MOS? I was 0621. I was field radio. I was a battery-powered grunt. Uh, I went to MCT, Camp Lejeune. And then flew from there out to the Stumps, 29 Palms, California. Fuck that place. Crazy. No, it's just desolate. There's So, it used to be an Army base. And then the Army said it was uninhabitable. Ah, so the Marine Corps so the Marine said, said, we'll take it. Let me show, let me show you something. Yeah. <laughs> let me show you something. I got oh, you. you can't live there? Watch me. <laughs> Bullshit. But no, it's... <laughs> Bad water? <laughs> fuck it. They'll piss. And drink yet. Fuck them. Uh, 900 and, oh Lord, it's been so long since I've actually had to talk about it. 950 some odd square miles of nothing but desert. The largest military base. So y'all got broke in right, huh? Well, now, come to find out, since it's so big, now everybody goes. It's the only base on the con in the continental U.S. that you can go and live fire anything. Because really? there's nothing out there. Oh, we used to run up to the top of plateaus and have a little cool-down circle before we headed back down, and A-10s would come over, and they'd have dummy targets set out. We'd watch A-10s hit dummy targets, and there's some pretty cool shit out there. I mean, 29 Palms sucks. It is hell. The night I got my first tattoo, I remember coming back on base, there's a bank. you got to show us that. Where's it at? My first tattoo? Is, yeah. No, that was my... That's... The tiger. It's faded. We gotta Hell, show the camera. That's it right it's there. It's 20, 20 years old now, so I need to get it retouched. I want to get some stuff added to it. And a lot of tattoo work that I've been wanting to do for a long time and just never made the time. Or... Matter of fact, me and Hope were talking about it the other night. She wants tattoo therapy, and I was like, you know what? I could use a little bit too. So after you left, uh, after you left school and training. Did you get deployed immediately? No. No? Um, I actually got attached to an artillery unit and then got shuffled around quite a bit. Quite a bit. And then, yeah, then ended up shipping out. Where'd, uh, where'd you get sent to? That's something you'll have to edit out. <laughs> 
just because I don't I don't really care to talk about a lot of the places that I, I went. Got you. There's a lot I got of places you. that you know everybody's heard you. of, known. It's not secret. I'm not some spy or anything. It's just. So you did. Say I've got memories. Huh? You did say active. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've got. Yeah, I've just got some memories that I'd like to keep memories. Oh, hey, look. <laughs> That's what this whole podcast is for, man. It's just, if you feel like sharing, we'll share it. And if not, then hey, we understand. It's all good. Yeah, I don't. Even Hope doesn't know. Hope gets little bits and pieces here and there. Would you say, would you say your time in service is kind of taking a toll on you as far as mental health wise, or? I don't know. I was fucking batshit crazy before I went in. (laughs) So, okay. Like I said, I was raised basically by a Marine because, you know, my parents got divorced when I was 11. So my uncle Aaron, he's the one that stepped in and became my father figure. So, yeah, I was, I consider myself being raised by the Marine Corps. That's why it wasn't, it wasn't a big shock to anybody when I went in. It wasn't, you know, there for a while I thought I was going into the Air Force. I was going to go to the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. Did you want to fly a plane? I wanted to fly. Come to find out, my biological dad is uh, a pilot. No shit. So. He served? Yeah, that's the other thing. I was adopted. He was in the Air Force. Oh, you were adopted? I was adopted. Oh, hell. Me and my sister are both adopted from different families. No way. So we're not really blood related. But I mean, come on. She's my sister. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But we're not blood related. That's crazy, man. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So have you ever met your biological parents or... So I know a lot of my biological family, but that's because I was adopted by my biological family. Like, Kurt, biologically he's not my dad. Biologically he's my great uncle. His niece is my biological mother. So coming up as a kid, you know, she was a cousin. Yeah. And her kids were second cousins. But in reality, that's... My aunt was my grandmother. But I called her Aunt Bertha, even though biologically she was my grandmother. Uh, Did your whole family know that? Come to find, so, like I said, my parents got divorced when I was 11. Around about the time I was old enough to break into the safe. So I actually broke into the safe and found all the paperwork for the adoption. Found all the letters, found everything. Nobody was happy about him adopting me nobody because they knew what an asshole he was so take that for what it's worth (laughs) I've tried to have a relationship with him but I feel like I've grown I feel like he hasn't he's 80 born in 37 uh, matter of fact he just had his birthday 86 you still keep in contact with him? Or? I haven't talked to him in a few months now. Just because, oh yeah, he showed up and swore up and down that I hit a pregnant woman in the truck. And she was about to lose her baby, apparently. Yeah. So I'm wondering if he's got Alzheimer's or something. Yeah. So after That and he, he treats... Mark Fisher more like a son than he does me, even though Mark Fisher can do cocaine and drink and do pain pills all day. 
but he's never done anything wrong to dad so so right after you um how long did you serve a total for from well if you take into account boot camp and everything end of 01 to december 7th 2007 so about six years total six years what made you want to get out Was it combination of several things. I think I was just, I was ready to kind of start settling down. Um, <laughs> I had some officers that I just didn't really get along with. I think mainly just ready to be home and call a place home. Have life, have yeah. some kids. and Kids was never really... Kids was something I wanted, but at the time it wasn't really something that I was thinking about. You know, I knew that eventually I did want to settle down, have a family, um, but I knew I had to get home, and I knew I had to start establishing myself before I did it. So that's really why I just. How many decided tours to, did you did you have? Uh, three. Three tours. They all round about the same place. Or no, no, different every time. So whenever, um, whenever you got out, how how was that process like? What would you have to go through? In order Didn't really to get go out? through a whole lot. It was a matter of you know, are you going to re up or are you not? No, I'm done. So you didn't really have stayed any there, kind of just. It. Other than, I, I did have a staff sergeant that didn't really want me to leave. But it was, you know. Kind of what it was. You're, you're going to lose me one way or another because at the time I was actually asking for a transfer. Like, you're either going to lose me to a transfer or you're going to lose me because I'm going to go home. Yeah. <clears throat> what was your first job coming out of service? And how was that transition from service back into civilian life? Was it kind of, was it a little tough or... Not really. Uh, you know, my my personality kind of changes depending on my surroundings already. Anyway, I've always been that way, so you can I know how feel, to keep. Yeah, you can kind of get a. Get I can a keep the madness place. inside yeah, yeah, when I, I want you. to, and let it out when I need to. And uh, I think one of the major things that helped is when I got out. I actually I got a job working for a rental an equipment rental company doing the maintenance and everything on return equipment so I didn't have to deal with the public that's what helped now well, you think between if you that and the alcohol had to deal time, with if you would have had to dealt with the public just right out of service do you think that would have I still don't like dealing with the public <laughs> it's still not a good idea for me that's why I like you know I like jobs where I can deal with the public at you know one-on-one on one, yeah. You know, I can I can deal with two, three people at a time, but as far as like I, like, I hate fucking going to Walmart. Can't stand it. Do you think that's something because of your time? I in think service? I was like that before. Before, to be honest, I think I think it became amplified. But I've I've never like I said earlier I've never been a social butterfly. Yeah. I I don't. I've never been comfortable in large groups of people. I used to be able to tolerate it. 
and then there for a little while I wasn't able to tolerate it and now I'm starting to be able to tolerate it again I don't think I'll ever like being in large groups of people kind of like a social anxiety thing just oh absolutely is it kind of just just the more a little people, too much the more people that are involved like even here you know when everybody starts showing up here like I'm, I'm quick to just I'll, I'll duck out so you just get kind of overstimulated with it sometimes I, I will physically get uncomfortable like I can feel like my left eye will start to twitch like the top my top eyelid here will yeah. start to twitch it will start to get on my nerves and then it just makes it worse uh, I've had muscle cramps before if there's too many people around uh, yeah it's so you think you've always kind of had a problem with that though even before service oh yeah not not nearly not as bad but it's not a new thing yeah so you just kind of learn your ticks oh yeah almost. I, I know yeah. my limits yeah like I know once I get to a certain point yeah I either need to get the fuck out or it ain't gonna be pretty I mean I yeah. don't turn violent or anything it's just and it's not that it's gonna be you know it's not gonna be pretty for somebody else it's I'm gonna have a mental breakdown and it's going to be because I'm trying not to be a violent person yeah, and yeah. start shoving like, yeah. people away from me and hitting people in the face if they get too close. <laughs> so you get out and um, you get your first job after service. Is this your like actual first real job? Mm-mm. So you had had some real jobs in high school? Oh, no. School I, I, worked, I worked through high school. I, I raised my niece because I love my sister to death. But, you know, when she first had my niece, she wasn't in the best position. Yeah. So that's why me and my niece are so close. Uh, I was all she knew for a while. Um, but now I had worked. I'd worked for gas stations. I had worked for one summer for my friend's dad. He was he owned a little construction company. We repaved parking lots, painted stripes on parking lots, did roofing. I mean, just everything that just about. You know, 80, 90% of the boys yeah. at that time would do during the summer to make money. So you get you get your first job out of service, or I should say, you get a job out of service, after service. And um, you did, said, um, equipment rental, right? Mm-hmm. You did that. How long did that job last? A year. I really don't years. know. It was a couple of years. A couple of years. What ultimately led to you leaving there and kind of. I kind of got tired of that job. I mean, I got fired, but it's because. I got fired because I stopped giving a shit about it. I think it was just management, just negligence on their part. Or the... They had transferred me to another location that wasn't the best location. Did uh, the money I... drop? No, the money stayed the same, and that was part of the problem. Oh, I got you. Was they shipped me to another location, and I inherited somebody else's fucking mess that they left behind when they got fired. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it just, it got to be a chore just to show up. So this around, like, 2008-ish, maybe? Mm, Nine? 2009? Nine-ish. 2009. When did I start working for Modern? Yeah, it had been nine-ish. 2009? 
So after that job, you left there, and where'd you go from there? Had you had you already had a kid on the way by then? Oh no, 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 no. My daughter didn't come along till 2011. 2011. So, so you got was that late 2011 or uh, mid? June? June. Okay, so so around mid 2011. So what about the previous year before? How did how do you think life was going up until that point? Was it as you had planned or were you kind of winging it or at that point i really didn't have a plan i mean i i thought i did um actually no i take that back things were kind of going to plan because i'd found what i thought was a good job uh it was something that i was i'm gonna toot my own horn i was great at that was when i started working for or i started working in the casino industry started working on slot machines. Um, so you've a, always had a knack for maintenance type positions. Oh, Would you well, say we, that? No, we, we never really touched on that from, from when I was a kid. Uh, but yeah, I, I grew up with farm equipment, with street rods, with, you know, we built a, I had my hands in helping build a street, my first street rod when I was nine first moved down to Mississippi. It's a 37 Ford Club Cabriolet, little fiberglass body, little Mustang two front end. Uh, originally there was a, a straight six in it. We took that out and put a little 289 in it. Went from that to... So you've always basically loved tinkering? Oh yeah, kinda... absolutely. I used to get in so much trouble as a kid for taking shit apart and I'd take three things apart to put together one good thing that I wanted. <laughs> oh yeah. I got fussed at. So I, the knack for it's always been there. Oh, yeah. You've always enjoyed that that kind of part of it. I, I, I love the technical aspect of just about anything. Do you think it's just learning the mechanics of how something works is why you like it? Or is it just that you've got to put your hands on it and kind of like you you got to make something out of it? Do you think it's something along those lines? or? I, I hate to sound conceited or anything, but it's always been easy. I feel I mean, like I've always I mean, had... That, so it's been kind of like a natural gift almost. I've always like. had the ability to break anything down to its most basic function and figure everything out from there. That's like engines. I mean, if you know, you know, basic four-stroke, you know, what everything is supposed to do, what you need, you know, what does what, you can pretty much do whatever you want to with it. It's... A little air, a little spark, a little fuel. Yeah. Keep everything lubed up and you're ready to go, basically, huh? You know, a few extra components here and there, but, you know, if you can if you can understand, if you have a very good understanding of the basics of how something works, anything is easy. It's all about the foundation that you have. I think the foundation is key, just like with electronics. You know, I learned the foundation of electronics, and that's why I was so good at slot machines. You know, from there so you can work on computers. You, you know, started you... on the slot machines, and you said this around 2010-ish? Uh, that would have been... 2010, something like that. That would have been... Yeah, it would have been December of 2009. Had to have been. So were you working on casinos here in Mississippi, or...? I have worked in... You know, everywhere in the Gulf Coast. Uh, 
Lake Charles, Louisiana, Shreveport, Louisiana. I had to, we didn't actually work at MGM Detroit, but I had to go pick up some machines from MGM in Detroit. So you got to see it though? and Oh yeah. Def I'm about to offend some people, but that facility is wasted on the employees there. Like horribly. That was a horrible experience for me. But I'm used to, at that time, I was used to... Why would you say that? Well, like I said, at that time, I was used to things getting done in a certain fashion. Up there, it's union. Yeah. And... Yeah, if you can get somebody off of a break to do what they're supposed to do, you've accomplished something. Like, they thought I was crazy when I was up there. They thought I was going to wear myself out. They thought I was going to be working too hard, that I was going to pass out in the back of a truck. And, oh, yeah, it was fucking ridiculous. So we actually, we were in the middle, uh, we were in St. Louis, Missouri. The President Casino riverboat that they had there was shutting down. So the company that I worked for sent a, a crew up there. We had to disconnect all the slot machines, and we were taking them out. We actually ran into a little problem because at the when when that was happening, I don't remember what year that was, but I remember St. Louis, the the river there was flooded. They had to take us over to the riverboat in the bucket of a tractor. They had an old John Deere tractor out there in the parking no lot. Shit. They came and picked us up, lifted the bucket up, and took us to the ramp of the riverboat so we Damn. could get in there and work. We couldn't get anything out, but we could at least start disconnecting, disconnecting. and staging ready, everything. Yeah, getting it ready to be taken out. Um, so we left because we couldn't do anything further. We ended up going back like three or four days later after the water receded. And my boss got the phone call, the owner of the company that I was working for, he got a phone call saying that we needed to get up to the MGM and get the machines that we were supposed to get from them. Now, me and a good friend of mine that used to work there with me before he passed away, we would load the trucks like he was in one truck and I was in another truck and we were taking all the machines off of the president and that's how we unloaded the entire boat I would take a you know a 53 foot trailer he'd take a 53 foot trailer and everybody else was just they were bringing us games and we were putting them in there we had a certain way that we had to stack them because we had figured out a system to maximize the space allowed depending on slot machine manufacturer make you know because there's umpteen different machines just like there's umpteen different cars um, at the time it was a lot of igt's a lot of s pluses s2000s some aristocrat mark sixes some williams bluebirds a few bluebird twos the whole yeah the fact that i still have all that shit in my head but you know it was nothing for either one of us to load an entire 18-wheeler by ourselves we even used to do it out of our facility all the time and so we get up to MGM Detroit and I was I was super thrilled when we first walked in there because when you walk into the casino the you know back of the house in a casino you gotta think the casino they've got restaurants you know around this corner and that corner and you've got the buffet at the casino and you know you've got slot technicians you got a tech department they've got parts and machines out in the halls and just it, it's a whole lot of chaos when you get back well, I never understood why anybody would actually rob a casino 
because you wouldn't be able to get the fuck in and out without tripping over a million different things. Yeah. So you get up to MG. Well, I've heard that a casino is pretty much made to make you walk around in a circle. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's worse when you get into the back of the house. Yeah. Uh, so you get up to MGM Detroit, and you walk in the back of the house, and everything is spick and span. They have hallways that feel like they're a mile wide, and, you know, where all these restaurants are accessing this hallway, they've got a door, and there's a square painted in the floor. You are allowed, if that is your square, you're allowed to keep anything in that square that you want to. But if it falls outside of that square, you just lost it. So, I mean, that place is super clean. But, again, and I'm going to offend whoever sees this that's working there or hears this that's working there, it is wasted on the employees. I really don't think they appreciate it. Because, again, they want to take a break every fucking five minutes. You can't get anybody to actually do the work that they're supposed to be doing. Because I got there... We were under the impression, so, you know, one of the major restrictions with electronic gaming devices are the keys. So, keys to a property are not allowed to leave a property at all. It is a huge fine if whatever gaming entity that oversees it finds out about it. Not to mention the fact that now none of your machines are secure because did that key get copied or not? So... If Potentially, anybody, anybody could put on a shirt, walk in, yeah. and open up, and take. Well, now, it and in. you've got certain, you have certain employees in a casino that are allowed to open certain things on a slot machine. Like, not everybody has a key to just open every lock on a slot machine. To have certain people for certain machines to open. So, a slot technician cannot access a cash can. Can't even pull it out of the machine. He sure as hell doesn't have keys to open the can itself. That's just, I mean, they have it where it's done by design. So, you know, we got up there. Anyway, it's a huge fine. Plus, if the locks ever do become compromised, the casino has to come in and replace every lock. Doesn't seem like a whole lot, you know. You think the lock is only a couple dollars, but yeah, a couple dollars for 500 machines. Not yeah, but you're not thinking a couple uh, for 500 machines. Because each one of those machines has like seven locks on it, so every one so of the locks has know, to be yeah, changed. Every one of them. So, you're so now at, it's it's a couple instead dollars. Instead of five hundred, now you've got yeah, it's a couple. Now couple you've dollars got three thousand times, times five hundred machines. Yeah. Times seven locks. So yeah, it gets pretty pricey. Plus, you got to pay somebody to come in there and do it. So it's a huge ordeal for locks. So we were under the impression that all these locks were gone. But, but they weren't. They weren't. I, we got up there and I started looking at the machines lined up and I told my boss at the time, I was like, we've got a problem. He's like, well, what's the problem? I was like, every one of these machines still has all of its locks in it. I was like, they had, they had them opened up. They had the cash boxes pulled, but every lock was still there. Every CPU lock, every main door lock, belly door lock, top lock, everything was still there. So there was, wasn't really much y'all could do with it at that point? Oh no, at that point, again, this is my first, my first run in with Union. Yeah. So, I told Rory, you know, I, I brought my tools, and I told my boss, I was like, well, I'm just going to jump in here and start taking locks off. He's like, well, hold on. So, he went and asked. I was not allowed to touch the machines at all because it was a union job. Mm. There were union employees at that casino. 
So all I could, literally, all I could do, I was not allowed to touch a single slot machine until, until it, was it was off of the property. So even the loading dock, I was not allowed to touch a machine if it was on the loading dock. Once it crossed the threshold into the trailer and whoever brought it to me set it down in front of me, I was allowed to touch it. That was the biggest waste of my fucking time I think I have ever experienced. So what could have took an hour? What would have taken me and my crew a day ended up taking us five days. No shit. It was horrible. Damn. And they did. So, like I said, I had my own system as far as stacking a truck with slot machines. They were trickling machines out to me. Like, there were maybe two techs. One would come and drop one off, and it'd be five minutes, and another one would come and drop one off. Another five minutes, the first one would come and drop one off. And I'm literally twiddling my thumbs, playing games on my phone, doing all kind of shit to pass the time. And, you know, they would drop it, and I would twist it by hand and put it in place. You know, push it, pull it, whatever I had to do to get it where I wanted it. Well, the second day, they finally got more techs to start bringing me machines. So I had like five techs that were bringing me machines at a time. It's just another day for me. I'm throwing them in there. Well, one of them comes out and he brings me a dolly. He's like, well, you're going to need this. I looked at him and I was like, what for? It's like, as long as you put them, as long as you drop them where I tell you to drop them, I don't need that. He's like, oh, well, you're going to be sore. No, I'm not, buddy. No, I'm not. I promise you, I'll be just fine. <laughs> it got to the point where I was a spectacle. Like, I would look back. Like, they would be bringing me machines. I would finish stacking that group of machines, and I would turn around, and three or four of them would be standing back there watching me. Like they had never seen actual physical labor before. Had no clue what the fuck was going on. Didn't have a clue. Like I, I was some kind of superhero to them just because they couldn't imagine physically doing something. So how long did that job last? A couple years, few years? Oh, almost ten. Uh, 2000 and well no 8 years 2015 or 16 I can't remember I don't know so that's about the time I was getting out of school I, uh, my first born was coming <laughs> in <laughs> <coughs> no what? my uh, my boss and his wife started going through a divorce uh, yeah I, yeah I'm pretty sure he thought I was sleeping with his ex-wife Lost my job, so I started sleeping with his ex-wife. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, what other good reason do you got? So. I mean, you accuse me of doing it, I'm going to start doing it. Well, what, I'm going to face the consequences. Already I'm already there. Yeah. You might as well go ahead and actually do it. So. I'm already facing the consequences for it. So, so uh, you said you had your daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Had your daughter in 2011? June 15, 2011. 2011. Um, how did that come about? Was it planned? Was she planned? Do we really need to go with how that came about? No, I don't want to know the details. Do you want to know the position? No, 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 no. We're not going to get into that. Um, uh, like, was that was that planned between you and her mother? No, or? she was she was not planned. Kaylin was not planned, but she was very welcome. Uh, you had mentioned that you had her, wanted kids. Her mom was 
she already had an, a daughter. Yeah. And she was told that she was never going to be able to have kids. So her first I'm daughter. Leave it to. Well, her first daughter was her miracle child. And it was something, you know, well, we never planned on having another one. We had talked about options as far as having another child, but we never expected her to get pregnant. To get pregnant. Have another child, yeah. And, yeah, one day she was, I'm late. I was like, okay, whatever. She was like, no, really, we need to go buy a test. So we went and got a test, and it showed she was pregnant, and I was thrilled, like 100% thrilled. How would you say the, just from your experience, cause I know there are a lot of dads out there and there are quite a lot of dads that listen to this. What would you say having to deal with her and like your side of the pregnancy and having to go through it and like transition into that and kind of navigate through it with her? Was it tough? Was through, it Through like her? Well, just oh, just like yeah, was, deal, yeah, and know, I don't I don't mean to sound like not, that. Not like ex. dealing with her, but like oh no, you know it was what dealing mean? with her. Oh, it was dealing. So it was, well, she she's got some mental issues. She okay. is actually diagnosed bipolar, schizophrenic. Just so it was, it, you you would say it was a pretty rough. It was rough. I mean, I again, I have at that point in my life. I think I had experienced enough to kind of start toning down a lot of my behavior because, you know, once once you've been through some real shit, what's, what's really, you know... What's really tough, yeah. you know? Okay. What's tough about day-to-day? I mean, granted, yeah, life's not easy. It's a struggle, but, you know, that's, you know, a bills and... But, like, dealing with, you know, oh, my goodness, the toilet broke. Okay, fix it. I'll fix it. No. I mean, yeah. You know, people get stressed out about little oh shit God, like that. Oh, God, I'm going to go shit on the wall. The toilet's broke. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do notice, you know, there there are people out there that, that stress over stuff. And I, I get asked by my sister more than anybody. My sister will ask me all the time, well, how, why are you not stressed out about this? Why? Why well, stress about it? Fix it. I mean, it, it, when you boil it down, it is that simple. But I do think, you know, our, li- our life experience puts different perspective on things. Like my niece, I love her to death. She is, she's doing great. She's on her own in Dallas now. She's doing voice acting. But at the same time, she's got, she still has a lot to learn about the world. You know, I was living in Knoxville before I moved down here, and uh, she had come up to visit, and we were having like a family night. It was my sister and her boyfriend, me, my niece, my nephew, and we were making homemade pizzas. Well, my sister had taken the dough out and put it on wax paper and stacked it. Well, it all stuck together. Everybody's in the kitchen trying to fix their pizza dough and literally throwing a fit over it. You know, about not being able to put it together, and it doesn't look right, and blah, 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 and I just started putting shit on my pizza. My niece is like, well, Uncle, why are you not stressed out about this? Baby girl, it is fucking pizza. It's going to get ate the same way. It's pizza. Why stress about it? It's going to get ate the same way. I mean, I know that's, but that's the basis of, you know, what I'm trying to say. I mean, 
there's other stuff and there's varying degrees of severity but at the same time it's you, you've got to have that perspective you know when where things could be worse things can always you know, be worse man and i try to tell people that all the time there's people out there that are facing a lot worse than i'm facing right now so that's why i'm, I'm thankful for what i do have and, you know i do my best to progress forward and do what i need to do and take each day as it comes so after you um navigate through the pregnancy what would you what would you describe it as being like being a new father and having a transition into that i know you said you had well i, like I, said, I, in I raising your niece, niece and everything so uh, was that did that kind of help with having a new baby and kind of you know transition oh, like as far as being caring good, for yeah, a child yeah. yeah i didn't have any problem with that um, was it mentally draining or oh no no to so me it was pretty it was, enthusiastic and just like man i'm really I thankful it. for this i loved it you know my little girl is i had several of my ex's friends tell me that i could have spit her out on my own she was born with she she got her mother's curly hair that was it she has my attitude my demeanor my temper. So she's a daddy's girl, huh? Oh yeah. Uh, so what? Uh, what happened? Kind of after that. Um, how did y'all's relationship end up developing? Did it kind of take a turn for the worse, or? Actually, it did, and I think it was because I was, I was too interested in being a dad. And not so much interested in well in what she thought was I wasn't interested in her anymore which I was but at the time I was in the casino industry I was opening casinos I was training technicians all over the Gulf Coast um, were you training like trying to leave out or leaving out of town a lot and traveling oh absolutely and, I would so when you got home it was basically like hey I'm trying to it's, I would, it's dad time like like, I would we'll be get to in, that, but like it's dad time. We gotta. I would get in late on Friday night. I would do laundry, spend time with the girls. On Saturday, Sunday morning, I had to get up and pack and leave. So that was, and I did that for basically how my schedule is now. I did that for almost three years straight. But I opened. So did it take like the full three years for y'all's relationship to kind of just? Kind of I don't know when she here. started cheating on me. <laughs> like, I, I literally thought everything was okay because, you know, we did spend our, a little bit of time together while I was home on the weekends. She had no problem spending the money that I was making. And then it was uh, one Christmas, my daughter said something about going out and shopping with Uncle James. Like, Who's Uncle James? And then I got accused of grilling my daughter about James when I, I didn't. She just told didn't me that even she was shopping any, with yeah, Uncle James. Didn't even know anything about it. Was that kind of like a slap in the face to you? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, and then she didn't even have the decency to, to wait for me to get my stuff out of the house. I was still there. She brought him over. I almost went to jail that night. It was all I could do. What do you think to, saved you from my daughter? Your daughter? Absolutely. I mean, whether or not I I like my ex or not, that's still my daughter's mother. 
I'm not going to deprive my daughter of her mother or her sister. Uh, and I'm not going to give up. Was it kind of hard to let her go and just realize, like, hey, this ain't... At first, and then I realized uh, that it took me a lot of soul-searching and figure out, you know, I deserve better than this. You know, if she's going to do this to me, why Why am I going to be heartbroken and why am I going to try and put forth effort? You know, she deserves happiness. I deserve happiness. Did you try for a little bit to maybe work through it with her? And for a little bit, for about a week. For about a week. And, you and then... Of, did it kind of just hit you one day? You were just like, she's not going to change. Like, it doesn't matter okay. what I do. She's just... And then it was confirmed when she took me to court for child support just so she could have it out of my check before I gave it to her. And then turned around the following weekend and got married to the dude that she cheated on me with. Really? Yeah. So how how long of a span was this in? Like, just a couple months, weeks? About or? six months, seven About months. six months. Did... Do you think, why do you think she done that? Do I mean, really I'll, I'll, a, do you have an idea or? I have my own speculation and I'll, I'll take credit where credit is due. I did. I spent a lot of time away from the house and, you know. Well, I think a lot of men do that now, but I don't think, I don't think that's really well, and, a you know, reason. You know, I understand it's feeling alone, but at the same time. You're supposed to be in it together. You are. So, I mean, if anything, which, I, and like I said, you know, it's just purely based off of what what I believe. Well, and if at any point, you know, like, I think you should come to your partner and be like, hey, like, this job is going to end up being the end yeah. of us. Like, can we find something closer to home? Like, can we see if... Know, maybe you can be off more or well, and you know like what what can we do to that's you know. the thing I had I had worked myself into a position where and maybe you know maybe it, it's not all that true but you know it was I was needed on some of these locations was I needed to the extent that I was there probably not you know that's something I should have gone to my boss and been like look you know, you want me to go to Natchez, fine. I'll go there for three days and then I'm coming back. You know, like I, I got shipped to, to St. Louis to open up uh, River City Casino up there. I was gone from the Friday after Thanksgiving till right before Christmas. I was in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, you know, there's there are steps that I could have taken but at the same time, you know, there's probably a few steps she could have taken too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not just a one-way street no. on your end. Um, you know, married, y were y'all married? We were not. We were supposed no. to get okay. married. So, But regardless, relationships are a two-way street. Oh, absolutely. You can't just be one way and you make it all happen or vice versa for her either. You exactly. Know? So I think it all It's really supposed is, to be a yeah. team effort. Yeah, most definitely. That's like... And, you know, and I think that's a problem with relationships nowadays is that people get into relationships and they're when it gets tough, well yeah and it's one-sided and whenever it gets tough they're like well i've been putting in a hundred percent this whole time and you haven't put in anything 
well, it's not always going to be 100 on both or 50-50 or 70-20 or 80-20, or, or I mean. But I mean, 70, it's give 30, and take. You know, yeah, I mean, Some so days, you kind of got to, you know, work through it. And that's, you know, people talk now like, man, I wish it was like my grandparents. Well, I'm sure your, your grandparents, grandparents put the work yeah, in. I'm sure your grandparents 50 years ago and their 70-year marriage Yeah, they were weren't like, always happy yeah, with each other, but sure they made it they work. I'm sure they put their differences aside and said, you know what, I love this person for who they are. Exactly. And we're going to stay together and make this work because we want to have a family. We want to grow together. They understood that, you know, on somebody's worst day, you know, you might have to give 100%. But you know what, your worst day 10. is coming and you're not going to want to put anything in, but they're going to put in that 100%. But that's I what I think. I think that's where today's society, as far as our relationship culture goes. Well, I don't think it's just relationships. I think. Well, I think it's friendships too, man. There are a lot of times where friendships are like that. And even, I mean, even social experiences or even family, you know, family relationships. You got a lot of family where they're like, oh, yeah. Fuck, I've got... you don't talk to me for months. Well, man, I've had life going on. Like, I've really had life going on. You haven't stopped to ask me not one time. And I'm losing my fucking house. My wife's leaving me. Right. But you're worried about that I haven't talked to you in three months. I haven't or, picked up the phone to call. Why yeah. haven't you called me either? Like, this, it's it, a two-way street The here. phone rings both ways. Yep. <laughs> and I, I think we do get caught up in that a lot. We kind of neglect the fact that life doesn't stop for me and it don't stop for you. Exactly. So, I mean... I, mean, I think every, we all need to be a little bit more considerate with that. That and, you know, don't only think about your own, what any situation is doing just to you. You, well, know, you don't know what the, I think the next person is going I think it's also hard for people to not be selfish with their self. And I think that, because that is... that hard. It was not that hard, <laughs> but media pushes now for you to, well, you got to think about yourself first. And granted, that's true. That is very Grant, true. That is very true. But that but doesn't come time, at the expense of losing not, friends yeah. and family and relationships and significant others and kids and. You, you can know. think about your own. You should always put your own overall well-being okay, top priority. Yeah, always. When you got, if you got, got a family, you need to be able to support your family over everybody else, no matter what it is. If it doesn't. But that doesn't give you an excuse. To, to forget neglect. about everybody yeah. else and realize that, you know, they're part of this world. They're trying to do just what you're doing the, the same way. Yeah. Most and definitely. it doesn't hurt to reach out and, you know, touch A base. A simple text, help. man. Just being like, hey, Anything. man, just wanted to check on you. I mean, sometimes you can you can make the world of diff- a, a world of difference in somebody's day just by that simple. Man, I'm not going to lie to you. I love hearing from my friends I haven't heard from in years just randomly hit me up on Facebook because they find me on there but hey <laughs> haven't heard from you in years man hope you're doing well and I'm like at, le- at least at least you know you found me and at least I heard from you you know because man I've seen people in passing going into Walmart or going into a restaurant or something they look at me and then just turn a blind eye blind eye to me and that's just a dick move yeah I mean and not because it's anything in particular. It's just because I haven't seen them since high school or junior high or, or you know, whenever it was. Right. You know, they just were like, ah. I think a lot of people also get caught up in this social media and think they're better than people. Again, you know? that's why I don't do it. <laughs> yeah. So we, I actually uh, dated a girl when I was up in Knoxville that was like, 
yeah, I tried to find you on Facebook, and I tried to find you here, and I tried to find you. I was like, yeah, what'd you find out? You find out shit. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm a private person. I don't understand when it became popular to put your all your personal shit out there. Yeah, I don't like it either, man. There's you're no not, mystery. If you get on my Facebook, you're not going to find anything about my personal life. Yeah. I just don't have a... I used to, man. I used to be all about it, and it just... I don't know, man. I... It feels like I kind of woke up one day and I was just like, who am I trying to validate? Like, Who are you trying to impress? Who am I trying to impress? And sh- like, I don't care. Like, I feel like I get more, I feel like I get more personal gain when I see someone in person. They're like, what are you doing now? Like, because that's a genuine, life? that's, that's you know? a genuine interaction. And then, and then I tell them like, look, man, I'm, uh, you know, in telecommunications now and, you know, I'm hanging fiber and when I travel for work and I meet new people every day and I talk to new people and I've got a podcast now and you know I've got two kids and you know and they're like man like I'm proud of you and I'm like well tell me what's been going on with you you know like fill me in like, I want to know and they want to say oh well look at my Facebook <laughs> yeah well that and I'm like ah oh, man I don't really like you can add me on there but I don't you know like that's what I tell everybody, man. If you look at my Facebook, you would never know what's going on in my personal life because everything on there is just like, oh man, that's funny. Oh fuck, that's funny. Oh, that's a good meme right there. You know, like what I find hilarious though is the hypocrisy behind. People will get on social media and put everything out there, and then if somebody confronts them on it, you know, face to face, they want to be like, well, that's well, this my is- that's my personal life. Why are you getting into my personal life? Well, you put well, it, you put it in public. Yeah, you I mean, put it out not, there for it's everybody. Not, it's not it's not personal anymore. Don't bitch you, about somebody you, talking about it when you put you it out made there it so public. People, yeah. You made a personal situation public once you showed it to the public. Yeah, the whole world. You didn't want knows to know you didn't want them to know about your ex baby daddy cheating on you with your best friend. You shouldn't have put it out there. You shouldn't have put it out there. You should have never even said anything well, what you, you should have done. If you've got it, is mingle in your little circle about it. Like, but, why are you telling everybody outside here that you're not even actually friends with? You know, you've got yeah, them on you Facebook. You can't tell, oh, oh, I've got so many Facebook friends. Yeah, but they're not real friends, are they? You've never met them. Call call them up next time you need to move a couch. <laughs> bet you they'll be there in five minutes. Bet you they'll be there. Yeah, bet you. I bet. And they'll bring the beer. Yeah, yeah, and they'll bring the beer and bring a little smoke too. They'll bring that too, you know. But I tell you what, if you can find somebody on Facebook like that, then yeah, man, that's a true better friend. Stay around, man. Especially somebody that you have never met in person, if you could call them up on Facebook, that's the person I want to meet. That is a person I would not mind meeting. I love a true, a true, genuine reaction with people, man. I feel like it's, I feel like it's very hard to come by now. Well, it's lost now because there's no face-to-face anything anymore. Everybody's behind a computer screen now. It's easier to type something and click that button than it is for me to sit here and tell you this in person. I'm hoping hoping that's what people will get out of these podcasts. It really speaks volumes, though, as to how you... And, again, I don't do the best in personal interactions like I, I mean I, I interact with as few people as possible but I can it's it's a, it's actually becoming a skill that is lost on 
a lot of the younger generation. It is. They have is. no idea how to actually interact with a person. Or to communicate. Yeah, that's uh, why. They think everything has to be resorted to, well, I'll text you later about it. Well, just talk to me now. Like, or, we're right here right now. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Their, their social like, skills. Let's take five minutes and walk over here. Because what's going to take a 20-minute text conversation and me being busy in between? Yeah. And then losing track, yeah, you know, yeah, having yeah, that miscommunication yeah. because you started typing yeah. and they sent another message while you were typing. Yeah. And, and then now you're having to yeah. backtrack and think, you know, and they're like, well, you didn't even address this. You didn't give me fucking time yeah, to. Yeah, like we've got. Let's 30, sit and have yeah, a face-to-face yeah. and have an honest conversation. because you, So I can see it is you a, can, you can portray to me the emotion in it. I don't have to try to interpret how you're feeling in that moment. It is too easy to lie. Oh, it behind is. Behind it's, it's a lot easier when you're sitting there face to face. You can tell if somebody's being genuine, if somebody's not. When they're trying to pull one over on you, you know. Too many. That's that's why too much bullshit gets started. Oh yeah, know, most definitely. That's where mis online miscommunication and, and uh, shit being translate translated into it's like shit the old phone game in man. school. Yeah. Whisper something to the first person. Yeah. By the time it gets to the other side, it's, it's completely not fucking different. Yeah. So you uh, you had your daughter, and uh, you and your um, child's mother, y'all split up. And what happened after that? Did did you quit the casino stuff right after that, or? Oh no. So that lasted no, a little that, while longer. Still, that lasted a little while longer. Okay. So like what I said, happened up until when... I started sleeping with the the boss's ex-wife. So what happened after that? Where where did you go after uh, that? Let's see. That was I was. You said it was like twenty sixteen. Yeah, twenty sixteen. I was. We had that flood there in the Baton Rouge area. Yeah, yeah. Ended up five foot of water in the house. Everything. Is that where just, you were living at at the yeah. time in Louisiana? Yeah, uh, Denham Springs, right outside of Baton Rouge. And yeah, I, I stayed down there for a little while. Helped some friends rebuild their houses. Uh, did some cleanup work. I was part of the Cajun Navy, you know, when it actually flooded. I helped pull people out of apartments and out of cars and out of houses and almost so South Range, right there, the pretty much main road yeah. there in Denham Springs. I remember we were running a boat up and down it and looking. We kept passing over this white square. Didn't know what it was. Come to find out, it was an F three fifty. No shit. <laughs> Is an F three fifty, the roof of it. Damn. So it was that uh, high, huh? Oh Water yeah, was it, that was, high. it was bad. What was life like that down there during that? Was it, was it kind of crazy, a little hectic, or? Oh, absolutely. Um, was there a lot of like, you, do you think there was a lot of like mischievous shit going on, like people stealing shit? And... Not really. I think pretty much everything was ruined. So do you think everybody <laughs> kind of united in that though and oh, pulled together? There, there's nothing that will unite everybody like a natural disaster like that. You know, so, you know, I wasn't there for Katrina. You know, and I feel horrible for those people that Man, went through Katrina. Folks lost absolutely everything. No. Well, I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away. Drag back home and drown my troubles away It's a damn shame What the world's gotten to For people like me People like you Wish I could just wake up 
And it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the 